Today, our guest is Ms. Bina Ray. Bina Ray is known in the industry for her brand marketing and protection knowledge, specializing in structuring brand to bring to the marketplace. She works with many branding and advertising agencies, helping to research and establish brand name availability to determine which can be easily registered and effectively protected both now and in the future. By combining her sales and marketing experience, her trademark attorney expertise and a bit of a sixth sense of branding, Veena has helped numerous clients overcome infringement services and protect uh, new brands for long-term success. Bina has worked with clients across a broad range, broad range of industry, including branding and construction, FMCG retailing, consumer product, transport, education, fashion, engineering, trade, non-for-profit, NDIS service providers, telecommunication, finance, aged care, and health and wellness industry. So it's, it's so broad experience she has. In her spare time, Bina volunteer with Thrive Refugee Enterprise, a nonprofit organization that provides business and financial support for refugee, which can help them start and grow to a variable, uh, viable business. She loves home cooking for her husband, two teenage children and friends, uh, regular plays tennis and is a secret fan of a 80s music. I love it. She is the based out of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. And let's help me to welcome a very good friend of mine and a very best attorney in the trademark, Ms. Pinare. Pina, welcome to Exante TV. Thanks for joining in and accepting my request. So how how your day being today? It's been really good so far. I've had two meetings already and it's only 10 a.m. <laughs> And, uh, and I was looking forward to being part of your show today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Can you, in, uh, would you like to give a bit of yourself, how did your journey started? Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I have um, a marketing background um, in, um, in IT. So I started my career in, um, in marketing. Yeah. And I spent about 20 years in IT marketing and then I had my children, and then I uh, also ran a few businesses during that time. And um, in about 2011, I um, started working in the trademark industry wow. uh, for uh, a company um, that specialised in helping businesses to protect their brand. Right. Uh, and that journey started um, then, and as of last year, I've... Uh, been qualified as a trademark attorney uh, and so the combination of my marketing knowledge of branding and my legal uh, knowledge now on trademarks uh, makes me unique in the marketplace because I can sure. actually speak to clients about how they structure their brands and then how do they then protect the brands yeah, that, yeah. that's a useful combination of uh, two skills that I've obtained through my life yeah, and I think that's what connected us together when we started yes. our discussion and we were like, so going on on our marketing <laughs> skills. That was interesting, you know. Right. Um, right. And that's where our friendship started and, you know, collaboration started. Right. So uh, that brings me to my next question, you know. Yes. So you work on like name brand trademark, logo, monogram, design, are they part of business identity or powerful tool of marketing? That's what you think? 
definitely branding is a powerful tool for businesses. Yeah. A lot of business owners, when they start up, um, they don't really consider that their business that they're building will become a brand. Yeah. A lot of times they have an idea and then they say, um, I need a company name or a business name. So they go see their accountant. Uh, then the next thing they go is I need a website. But not a lot of them actually spend the time at the very beginning to think about what is the best name for their business or yeah. their brand. Yeah. And they don't actually also, they're not educated on um, that you don't actually have to have the same name of your business name as a yeah. brand. Yeah, so, yeah. So because in their enthusiasm to start the business, um, they're just doing practical steps to get the business started, but they don't actually step back and think about what does their brand represent? Yeah. Uh, what brand name will sound good? And then with um, our expertise, we will then be able to say whether that brand that they come up with would be trademarkable or not. And yeah. I also tell clients at the very beginning, even if they can't afford a trademark at the very start, because as you know, the businesses, when they start up, there's no cash flow coming through the sales. They, um, they probably are just starting out as a side hustle sometimes. Yeah. But even if you're just doing it as a side hustle, it's free at the very beginning for you to actually spend the time to think about it, yeah. to make sure that the brand that you're going to introduce, well, is, is already not in the marketplace. Because if someone else is already using that brand name, I always think, well, why would you bother to be the second person using that brand name whether yeah. the mark is trademarked or not? Yeah. You'll be at a disadvantage because you're the second entry into the marketplace. Yeah. And with those clients, I tend to also say, well, it's no good just getting a name. You need to bring that brand alive and yeah. you know, use services like your marketing agency to help create a logo that's distinct. Yeah. And I also advise them not to go to those $99 logo places because it's fraught with copyright issues there. Because, you know, you're getting a, a, an image from these $99 logo places well, how many other people are using it? So there's going to be copyright issues going yeah. forward. So and I do encourage them to go to uh, branding agencies to to actually get the messaging right, their logos right. Um, and I often also say, you know, maybe you don't need a trademark at the beginning. You may need it later on, but you do have to spend the time at the very beginning to do your research to make sure you're the first user of that brand. Yeah then ensure that you're unlikely to be sued by somebody else for infringement. Yeah. Secondly, it's really nice to be the first person to launch that unique brand. I mean, I don't understand why people would like to copy other people. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that brings my um, question about the brand owners that they do not think about the concept. Because when I start my discussion on marketing, I ask them, what's the meaning of this logo? What's the purpose? Like what it describes, you know, but they have no answer. They said, oh, I just like it. Or I thought this will be good. And this is what I wanted and things like that. 
but how it is going to describe your company personality and your personality yeah. is not being thought of very well you know very few people actually think that this will be a representative this logo will be representative of my business personality or my personality or my meaning of my business will describe by this logo um which is a bit you know questionable people should go in uh, its detail a bit in the discussion on that yeah. so it, in that sense like world's biggest brand amazon yes is a good case study on branding okay. amazon does not own any manufacturing activities it is an e-commerce marketplace which sells other companies products what does amazon tells us about the concept of branding and it's the role in marketing well amazon um is the most valuable intangible brand in the world at the moment um i looked it up yesterday and brands the website has given it market value of 416 billion wow and that is up from last year and the it's all intangible it's the way they value it is about do people recognize that brand um does that brand equity bring business through you know the the different platforms and right now they've been uh, ranked just above uh, apple apple's worth 352 billion wow. and then microsoft is the third uh, most valuable brand at 327 billion so wow. those brands you can't say that they actually sell that many products the brand is actually the recognition by people so what makes one like this week my son needed a new phone and i said well we could buy a samsung but because he's like no i i wanted the latest uh, apple iphone and i'm like well you know you just need it to get you know to, to bring your friends and to communicate but because he's I guess fallen in love with Apple all his friends have got Apple it's more stylish I don't I mean I don't know I mean he's only a 16 year old <laughs> uh but he insisted that he didn't want he didn't want another brand besides Apple so it's so the brand equity is more about the reputation people asking for that brand and and the recognition of uh it being a a a desirable brand so when even small businesses when they um start up a brand it it is important for them to go what are the attributes of my service or product yeah and 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 cater for that you know they say that you've got to solve a uh consumer need whether yeah. it's a product or service and uh, you know Apple, Amazon. I mean, Amazon is because you can get everything there. It's convenient. You know, they've got the best distribution. Um, um, uh, yeah, distribution around the world, so that products can get to somewhere the next day or the next week. So they've actually uh, really looked at their prop, uh, their brand value, gave their consumer what they want, and and as part of that. they actually have spent millions protecting their brand around the world. Yeah. So I was just doing the research last night just in Australia about Amazon, right? And in in Australia Amazon owns about um let me just check. They own about uh 532 tr- registered trademarks in Australia alone. Okay? Wow. And, and they've got 122 applications at the moment in the system. 
that belong to Amazon. And you would think, well, what else would Amazon want to trademark? Well, they've trademarked lots of things like um, that has to do with their technology and, um, and maybe their slogans. And they also have gone into the um, uh, production of their own products as well. Uh, so I think Amazon owns one of the book publishing companies. Is it? Yes, that's where they started. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's with it. So you know more about the brand. <laughs> I just know the value of the brand. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is that the Amazon is like the beauty of the Amazon. They are very big forward thinker. Yes. You know? They think in three years to 300 years down the line, the leadership is very, very strong, you know. So like the Blue Ocean, uh, you know, the project they are working on, they are like thinking about the like four generation, five generation down the line, right? Um, amazing, amazing history. And the way the Amazon guy says that, you know, I know my quarter three years before oh, yeah. you were telling me uh, congratulations for the <laughs> for this this quarter so that i, I love about um, amazon and a, any any successful top three companies people say or oh, they own the us like uh, highest wealth but they are the thinkers they are the visionary yes. people they are futuristic people they 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 just not think about future they act on the future that's right and as i said they probably even though it looks uh, effortless there are marketing teams around the world within Amazon, helping them continue to promote the brand to the right people at the right time. And as every time they have a new campaign or a new product, they go and protect it. And not every small business can afford a trademark, but when you get to a certain level, protection of the brand is important because you've spent all that money and all that time building that brand. For sure. So in that case, so let me look at the other end of the spectrum. Indian food is particular in several several parts of the world. Yes. One website says there are over five, 50,000 Indian restaurants and 18 places across major cities of the world. However, India has not produced a McDonald's, KFC or Pizza Hut. Do you see an opportunity to brand Indian food and cuisines? Well... The reason I think partly why Indian restaurants haven't been successful in uh, franchising out to the rest of the world is that they've actually, to, to actually produce uh, dishes um, of, let's say, curry or uh, Indian descent um, products, it requires a high, what they call high uh, QSR, and that's in the franchising space uh, terminology, meaning quick service restaurant chains. So when you think about when you have to produce a curry versus producing, uh, let's say, a fried chicken or a burger, it requires a high level of labour to produce one particular Indian um, product. Whether it's yeah. um, so, with franchising, as you know, it's all about procedures, about how you can organise how the food is produced to maximise profit and to to maximize the quickness the food is delivered to the consumer. So I think because of that, um, yeah, we haven't really seen an, an explosion of Indian restaurants being franchised around the world. Yeah. But I guess secondly, um, it's all also about the taste palettes and and the uh, I guess the, the the consumer market for Indian food. 
Yeah. I think as a young child, you're more likely to get a young child to go to McDonald's and eat a burger than if you were not Indian and you were from another nationality. I think the Indian food palate is much more sophisticated. Mm. So a young child could potentially not uh, be able to eat Indian food that's hot or, you know, mild um, because they're, they're used to eating three veg and, um, uh, you know, and chicken, <laughs> roast chicken at home, or in my case, dumplings and noodles um, yeah. coming from a Chinese background. So it's, I think it's got to do a lot to do with how quick um, products can be served within a restaurant and also what the available marketplace uh, is there for uh, Indian food. I think yeah. as we get older, the Indian food market grows because the taste palettes of uh, individuals uh, increase as yeah. they grow older and they're able to more uh, experiment with their taste buds. Yeah. So, I mean, this, anyway, that's just my personal view about why hasn't the, the, the French yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and also look, considering these days, there are a lot of market um, is actually people are more talking about healthy eating and all those things. Uh, mm. And most of the Indian restaurants are, are not like a home remedy, right? Yes. Um, it's very rich. It's, yes. it's very rich. And people think it's an unhealthy food, which is wow. like, if I will, I, I'm, I'm Indian background. So um that's not what we eat every day, but that's the yeah. perception to the Western world. That's what we eat because that's what restaurants serves to make it beautification and, you know, presentable and all those things. So it's business. That's all good. But the thing is that healthiness part is not considered in Indian food. That's one of my, another aspects. I always think that, you know, might be in the popularity is lower because of the spiciness. Not everybody can Yes. You know, use that, yes, you said this, but, and also the healthiness is also a question mark. Well, I, I think I'm going to challenge you on that because I actually think that Indian food's probably more nutritional than a McDonald's uh, Big Mac. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I agree. And if uh, any restaurant can start serving the kind of healthy food we eat at the home, Yes. Like the people who are talking about more of a healthy food concept, they will yes. get a lot of option, right? Yes. Um, I'm pure vegetarian. Someone asked me one time, oh, what do you eat then? I said, I can make 200 type of curries. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. So I do not repeat my food 365 yes. days if I will make sure I'm doing it, you know? Um, just so you know, in uh, because I'm Australian-based, uh, there is a uh, franchise, franchise called, I think, Indian Brothers that are attempting to bring uh, home-cooked Indian meals and they're, they're actually trialling the franchise in Queensland at the moment. That's interesting. So if it does well, you might even see Indian Brothers in Sydney, Melbourne and elsewhere around Australia. So, so, so someone is attempting to try to franchise and yeah. Indian restaurant brand and uh, good luck to them. Yeah, yeah we, like there is a possibility of uh, success if they will place it right. Um, there is a company in India called Dibawala and it become very famous because they were serving tiffin and the tiffin was packed by the housewives from the home oh, and right. they will come and collect 
and then they will serve it to, into the offices because you know daytime people don't want to go in that and the lifestyle in bombay is very hectic and going one place to another place it's hard so this was a huge success i think um, harvard university wanted to do the case study on it and there is some case yeah. study based on the success they have gained just on the concept of picking up the tiffin from home to home by yes. cooked by housewives yes. and serving to the uh, you know different um, uh, offices yes. there is a movie on it you can okay. you know there's a hindi oh, movie look, what would we'll movie for it after this uh, very beautiful uh, concept they have actually implemented very successful it's a very most successful business so there are possibilities of that kind of things as well so brands are usually associated with business however you now see other human activities are also getting branded a good example is education schools and universities are now preferred to admission on the basis of their brand value yeah. harvard mit stanford are all great brand in in india iit and i am are like shout out after on their brand status is this a desirable trend well i think it will be a trend going forward because um especially with covid the at the moment the the institu- education institutions are scrambling to um attract overseas students even though there's a travel ban um so i think the the university brand is very important going forward because you want your brand to be recognized and you want to attract the best students to to your institution um you mentioned harvard harvard is a great example where they've harnessed their elite um brand of you know private university schooling or, or what do they call it uh, the ivy league one of the yeah. ivy leagues in america and um the universities you've mentioned um in india i don't really know and when i checked it up on the trademark register they don't really own trademarks around the world where harvard actually owns harvard trademarks in australia uh, and we're wow. on the other side of the world so that that just shows you that harvard actually really values their brand and they actually want to proactively enforce any infringement if another yeah. Harvard wants to pop up in Australia even though Harvard is actually not in Australia they they're proactively protecting their brand here and um so therefore you can see the difference that if you want a successful brand you need to protect it and you've also need to produce merchandise i mean Harvard's got i think trademarks in merchandise so clothing caps um you know other items wow. uh, in publishing uh, so so they are very heavily invested in their brand yeah that's interesting to know how like these universities are actually getting into but yeah it is a popularity game as well and you get students based on the popularity across the world and it does make difference i'm i'm not suggesting or not questioning their uh, quality because yes. every name i mentioned here they are also known for quality mm. so in, you know it, it's it, it's a highlight that you know even though you are a big brand you still have to value add you yes. still have to do the basic business principles you yes. have to follow those rules and you have to be outstanding 
to get that name and fame right so they are backing up with all their other efforts yeah. you know themselves for sure so it, in that brings to, to me in my next question it says that is technology a, a disruptor of a brand um yes it is i mean look at uber um there's a, actually a lot of new technology are disruptors within various industries uh, like the driverless uh, vehicles whether it's trains or light rail or cars you know if if the taxi drivers at the moment think that uber is the problem it could also be that the driverless cars could be their, yeah. their competitor in i don't know 10 years time or whenever the insurance people can agree on how do they insure um driverless cars that's what i've been told that that's the reason why we don't see a lot of driverless cars in the marketplace yeah, even though the technology's there yeah insurers don't know how to insure if there's an accident and um and maybe the technology isn't just quite there yet um yeah. as well so so there are a lot of um disruptors uh in the marketplace that's using technology to uh to disrupt uh, every industry I, I don't think one industry is uh, in particular being affected i think all industry even in my industry um yeah. I'd, I'd say that when the uh computing power comes in about looking at precedent cases when there's a trademark dispute they probably have access to more legal court cases and then after ai learning they might even learn from their mistakes and eventually they're going to be smarter than you know one particular person you know that's an expert in one area of any um uh, industry so it's it's uh yeah technology is a real big um disruptor in it yeah for sure yeah. i mean the see air based technology is coming anyway like drone is active and people are using it for different purposes now so especially the military so the markets are flooded by imagination brands duplicates and uh, you know super uh, is process products like the digital technology make it possible you know to produce fake brands as well is the brand in the addressing this problem like cyber security issue is increasing you know um the the in terms of um fake brands in with technology you're talking about te digital technology making yeah yeah see there are a lot of cyber security issues happening as you as you know yeah. um and there are a lot of fake brands are coming up you know the the, the duplicate is issue you know there are a lot of duplicate items available in the market you know copying the brand uh, which has been there for all the time but you know okay. it's getting more 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 momentum the fake brands are getting more momentum now you know i was watching one of a documentary and i have noticed there are some you know some people are actually using the l'oreal rejected you know lipstick and all yeah. and they are selling it into, out in the market in 2 dollar shop you know right and okay so i'm um, sorry out of issue you know yeah. okay so what um i understand the question now so effectively i think technology is enabling the promotion of fake brands definitely because it's really difficult to identify the source of the product as you said it, you know you might have a l'oreal product that's sold in the 2 dollar shop and you don't actually know whether it's come from l'oreal or it's 
come from elsewhere. Yeah. So in many ways, social media is enabling a lot of um, fake brands um, to, to, to be flooded in the marketplace and promoted. Uh, to answer your question about technology and helping um, reduce that fake brand, uh, IP Australia is actually, um, they've got this new initiative which they're just trialling. Um, I think it's called Smart Brands or, um, and what they're wanting uh, trademark uh, owners to do is to register with them about um, their brands and where the sources are and, and they're trying to reduce where the consumer to, to update the consumer where they can purchase the real brands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like a site that identifies where you can source the real brands versus where you see it elsewhere. So if it's not on the list, then you're probably buying fake brands. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, so it means the cybersecurity wing and other other policing department and also the brand um, people who are actually working towards it to actually make yeah. the consumer more more understanding that you know what's right and wrong and yeah. i i think it comes to all comes to the education how you educate and not only about the brand itself yeah. the source of the brand where you know the actual availability and you know the shops not people should not be attracted to those pop-up shops and you know two dollars yeah. i'm not against them but if it is actually um, backed up by the original band would be better idea because especially in the cosmetic industry, I'm finding people are actually, you know, not liking it. You know, it's not good that human face yeah. is actually distracted because they wanted to look pretty, you know. That's right. Um, um, some of the really uh, prestigious brands in the handbags and luxury brand um, industry, they're actually investing in identification technology, whether it's holograms or something that's embedded in the product itself. Yeah, so that will be a good idea. And um, scan it to, to make sure that it's been authorised by the manufacturer. So they're, they're actually producing, uh, they're investing in technology to make sure that their authentic brands are being purchased by the, uh, you know, the clients and not being duped by the, the fakes. But sometimes the fakes are still being sold at the prestigious prices, but you don't actually know whether it's fake or real. And yeah, it's a huge sure. reseller market as well for those brands. Yeah. So, so yes, to answer your question, technology is helping in the fight for, uh, against fake brands. Yeah, I, I guess it comes to the uh, seller's ethic as well. So they should yeah. know. They should be better known to than the consumer who are selling it. But... And thank you so much for your all input. Really, really interesting to talk to you. But uh, would you like to give, a, you know, some suggestion to the people who are coming into the market, building, trying to build their brand or, you know, is there anything you want to suggest to the newcomers? Yes. Or um, well, first of all, the, when you create a brand, it doesn't matter which industry, whether it's a product or service, when you're wanting to start a brand, it's really important to spend the time to research on Google the brand name that you want to use within your industry to check that um, no one else has got that particular brand. Uh, and part of the search would mean that you need to search in different ways. And 
that I can't teach in <laughs> within five minutes, but but it's best that let's say if you're a florist and you've got a name, you 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 type let's say XYZ flowers, you know, that you do XYZ flowers, XYZ garden, XYZ um, plants, just to see who else in the industry could potentially be using that brand. And if you've exhausted all that searching and no one's there with that brand, then it's safe to use. Okay. So it's really important that you make sure that you're the first to use it in your country. Secondly, don't copy. I have so many clients that say, I've gone overseas. I love this brand. And I just want to copy it because they don't have a trademark in Australia. And I said, no, you can't do that because it, because in Australia, you can't obtain a trademark on bad faith. And if you do, even if you get the trademark, the manufacturer from overseas could revoke your mark for bad faith. So if possible, don't copy yeah. um, from elsewhere. Yeah. Thirdly, don't use uh, a descriptive brand when you're starting it up. So if you're a florist, don't call yourself uh, Camberwell Florist or Melbourne Florist because other traders within that industry needs to be able to say they sell flowers within that location. Yeah. Then it leads to the point, don't give your um, brand a location name. And the last point really is don't use your surname if possible because um, it's very difficult to, to I don't know, people like using their surname to, um, to, to, as their brand and that's okay but you've just got to check whether to make sure that your name is not smith or jones <laughs> because that would be impossible to trademark so yeah, yeah so they're just simple tips that doesn't cost them any money but they just need to do the research at the beginning to make sure that the brand's unique Bina, so my question is to you now that you know if someone wants to go international Yes, And if they are going international, what is your recommendation? Do you want them to go and register first or they can go test the market and then they can go and brand themselves? What's your recommendation for the new in people who are entering into the new market? Okay. So again, you have to do the research at the very beginning to make sure that that brand that you're creating is available in the countries that you want to launch into before you even attempt to get a trademark in your home country, which is, let's say, Australia at this stage, because I'm based here. And if they want to go overseas, they've got to make sure that that brand is also available in, you know, the US, the UK. So they would actually have to do the same research. So if I was doing that florist uh, search, I would type in XYZ flowers, uh, Australia, XYZ flowers, US and I would do so many searches just to satisfy myself that there's no brand out there using that name at all and normally um, you've got once you've applied for the first mark in Australia or your home base you've got up to six months to then uh, apply for overseas countries and use the Australian priority date as the application date but even if that six months expires, it's still okay. It just means that you apply later and you get um, protection later. It, it's not necessary to trademark always at the beginning if you don't have the money, but, it, but it's more important that you're the first to use the mark and the first to trademark it. Yeah. Um, the trademark part is more about funding, whether you've got the money at the beginning, but 
most countries, except for China and Japan, yeah, they've got common law rights, which gives the first user of the brand rights. Where in China and Japan, it doesn't matter. It's whoever first, whoever files the trademark first gets protection. Right. Um, so that so besides those two countries, other countries gives you the right if you're the first user of the brand. Okay. Right. But it is always advisable that if you really want that brand protected, that you do file it as soon as possible, uh, because protection the best protection is when you use the brand first and that you file for the trademark first. Okay? Yeah. And it applies to all industry, whether it is a service industry, product industry, you know, yes, whatever you are doing. Yeah. You can even trademark a slogan, packaging, sound, smell. There's lots of uh, types of protection you can obtain under a trademark. So, yeah. I, I heard that Coca Cola has had also um, protected that uh, style of bottling, you know. Yes. And, yeah. They, they, and the color of the. Bottle. Yeah, a hash a hashtag of the hash code of the Coca Cola color yeah. Uh, bottle. Yeah, and um, I don't know who has trademarked it, but I did read. Um, God, I should know this. You know the ding that we have on our computer. You know, yeah. the thing, that's been trademarked. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the sound has been trademarked. The the ding. So every time um, we get a ding, someone's getting royalty for that ding. Wow. <laughs> I should look up who owns it, but I do. I did remember reading about um, because sound marks are very rare. Like there's all, like I said, all those other smell packaging. They're, they're rare marks. They're not common marks. Sure. But, I think but I that's the them. homework. That's the homework for the audience to find out. Yeah, right. That's the homework. Who owns the ding trademark? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for your um, inputs and your suggestions. I'm sure audience will benefit with that. Um, appreciate your time today. And uh, it was interesting talking to you. As always, been known for a while, and I know your expertise, and I'm pretty sure audience will be benefited with that. To reach you out, all your details will be given um, under the comments and they in our descriptions, and they can contact you anytime they want and you are available on website and all social media i believe isn't yes. it yeah. yes i think i've got uh, instagram handle um, i'm on linkedin i'm on the baxter website uh and i think if you just type bin rye um i think i'm the only bin rye that pops up so that's good <laughs> it's that's good to put an unusual name <laughs> yeah unique uniqueness works so yeah all, and all details are actually will be given in the description yeah. and also you can see on on top of her head like the brand name and the name uh, is showing up thank you so much for your time today thank you Priya. thank you it's been wonderful talking with you thank you <music>